0: Another episode of the Smug Buds.
1: It is here. We are.
0: It is the evening of Wednesday, May thirteenth, twenty twenty. In what is uh, I haven't been counting, but I think maybe like week eight or nine. It's week nine. Yeah. Okay. Week nine of staying at home. How's your week going? Oh, that uh, good.
1: Not as good as last week. Hmm. I had a couple things happen. I have some. Updates.
2: Okay. <laughs> so you know how
1: I've mentioned that I think I have mentioned on the podcast that I'm paying our daycare provider still. She's a small business. You know, it's just mm-hmm. it's out of it's an in home private daycare.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so we uh, you know, set up front that we would pay her, and we have for nine weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um, and she initially when she closed said, you know, you guys don't have to pay me, and we said, you Could know, you yes.
0: Could I just ask, are yep. you, are you doing this just as a courtesy to try to sustain her or is yes. there any benefit to you? Like you're holding Elliot's spot. In so we are while, not while...
1: formally holding Elliot's spot. Okay. Um, which is definitely a thing. Like normally yes. the way that her business functions is like if she, you know, she's allowed to buy her contract, take 10 days off a year. She's mm-hmm. never, never taken that many. She usually takes five to seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea is that we have to pay her every week regardless, mm-hmm. um, which is fine because we pay such a reduced rate. It's not a reduced rate. Like, it's not like she reduced it from her normal rate. It's just, like, so much cheaper than everywhere else. So mm-hmm. um, the, I'll throw out some numbers. We pay 250 a week. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were first looking at infant daycare, um, you know, infant daycare is going to be more expensive than toddler daycare because they can have less people. They have to have less people per children. So it's a uh, two to yes. one ratio for kids under two. Okay. And it's a four to um four to one ratio for kids under um five, I think.
0: From two to five.
1: Yeah. hmm And so, um and so yeah, so those places were starting at five hundred a week. hmm And we recently looked into preschool options for Elliot. And um, they were three seventy five a week, mm-hmm. less than five hundred, but um, still a full, like basically five hundred dollars more a month than what we're paying right now,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, which is a lot. Like it's a yeah. it's a fifty percent increase from what we mm-hmm. pay.
3: Yeah.
1: Um. And so, uh, yes. Also, she's just a lovely woman. Um, mm-hmm. Elliot loves and adores her. He learned, has learned his letters there. He's learned songs. Like, she could truly just be running like a daycare where she's, you know, just tending to the children. And she really does have an educational component that she does not need to. Mm. Um, so yeah, I really wanted to support her. Yeah. And, um, I wanted, um, I wanted her to be able to be open. Does that make yes. sense? Even yes. if I wasn't formally holding the spot, I didn't want her to become destitute. Yes. And she texted Kenny on Monday and said, thank you so much for your payment. Please do not keep paying me. I do not know when I will be able to open again. Mm. And uh, this is crushing to me. I mean, this mm-hmm. just feels very bleak, right? Yeah. Right. This is her. It almost feels like she's saying, I don't know if I will open again. Right. Um, which, you know, I don't know what that means or, or what her finances look like or mm-hmm. what would cause her to do that. Because um, I don't think it's so she she's from Iran
2: mm-hmm.
1: and she was a nurse in Iran. But clearly it's difficult to completely re-get your degrees mm-hmm. and your certifi- certifications here and licenses. So instead, she went the route of getting, um, uh, you know, registered and licensed to be a childcare care provider. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has a couple of times actually um, helped us figure out what we need to do. Like there was like once that I picked up Elliot and I guess he had woken up from his nap with a rash and she sort of said, a little bit of a rash, try putting this on it. I think it should be okay. You know, I don't think it's a problem. He can come back tomorrow. And we did that and it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um but, um, yeah, that felt very, very bleak to me, And also, mm-hmm. on a incredibly practical level, um, if she doesn't open up again, we don't have anywhere to take Elliot right, and it would also mean that you know the places we would have to take Elliot would be fifty percent more expensive than the pace place we're taking him now,
0: yeah. And, and there's, there may perhaps be greater demand for those places as well at the time when you will need them.
1: Yes. Um, because sometimes getting somebody into a, um, into a childcare place, like, I mean, I think it's different for infants, but sometimes there's waiting lists that are months long. Like Mm -hmm. we started looking for childcare for Elliot when I was four months pregnant. Yeah. Um, so that was the first bleak thing. Yeah, and then
0: did Uh-oh. you read
1: about what?
0: No, there's more, just the fact that there's more that, that that's first on a list. <laughs> that's what made me go. <clears throat> what, what, what 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 were you asking me?
1: Did you hear about? I believe it's pronounced. I, I mean, I know what it is, but I think you pronounce it Wuhan. The Wuhan.
0: Uh, uh, what what about it?
1: So that's where you know where one of mm-hmm. like the first sort of clusters was, yes. and they yeah. hadn't had any new cases in a month. Mm -hmm. and had a breakout of I think 14 or 24 cases so it seemed like after they so like they had they had not had any new cases for one month Mm -hmm. and slightly eased up on their restrictions and that many people got sick and um now they're trying to test all 11 million people there in like the next five weeks
2: Mm. um but
1: part of the people that they found when they sort of Realized that they were having this cluster of cases, I think five of them were completely asymptomatic, mm-hmm. which just is so bleak to me. Like, uh, and by bleak, what I mean is, I don't, I don't know if we can outrun this until we have mm-hmm. a vaccine, right? which makes me start to think maybe Elliot won't go back to daycare in 2020. Yeah. Maybe, in fact, he won't go back to daycare at all. Maybe he'll go straight into preschool. Maybe, if they can't actually make a vaccine, which was something I hadn't even considered, but maybe they won't be able to make a vaccine, or they it won't be available or something, maybe he'll go straight into kindergarten.
2: Hmm. And
1: that's far-reaching, and I wish I could be more hopeful than that, but I cannot see an end to this right now Mm -hmm. um things have not gotten better they have gotten worse and on top of that um you know maybe they have in some senses remained sort of neutral right like we haven't completely overloaded the hospitals Mm -hmm. um i read a facebook comment this morning Uh, i
0: don't like i don't like the sound of this
1: it was, it was one of those things where, like, I don't necessarily, you know, I don't read too much into these things. But it just was like, oh, this is a taste of what other people think, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. So this was on, Kenny has this uh, person he went to high school with that occasionally posts these ridiculous things. Like, this dude posted, he did his own analysis of the Pennsylvania cases and basically said that, you know, he disagrees with Mike uh, Wolf's plan uh, with the yellow and red counties and when they're reopening and stuff. Mike um, Wolf, to is which that
2: the another governor? friend,
1: yeah, the governor, yeah, okay. Um, which another one of Kenny's friends, who's like a super nerd, responded with like,, uh, I appreciate the work you've done here, but I think that it's not really representative, considering that we don't have widespread testing, so we actually have no idea how many cases there are.
3: Right.
1: Um, one dude caught, co- but this is what this dude commented, not to make light, but we should not take life so seriously we are not getting out of it alive those who think humans live forever should ask their great great grandparents for advice on how to survive
0: so why try
1: (laughs) why why try
0: if you know yeah we're all gonna die eventually we're all doomed so why not uh live completely carelessly recklessly until you die a preventable premature death painful 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 and dragging down many others with you in the process (laughs) i
1: mean if we're all gonna die i just don't understand why we shouldn't have things like eugenics and genocide
0: and for that matter i'm going to go to heaven when i die and i don't know (laughs) why i'm not in a bigger rush to get there
1: (laughs) um there was one final thing which has sort of been worked out but it still was a stressor for me Mm -hmm. which was Oh, wait. So these things all really depressed me. And that was when I realized um, I just don't think I'm going to get to promote my book. Mm. And what I mean by that is the thing I had really been looking forward to was getting out and doing readings. Because I have done many readings in my life. I had done essentially zero readings between when I graduated from grad school and this year. Mm -hmm. I love doing readings, but people just... I just don't live in an area where people like invite me to do them. Yeah. Um, and I was really excited to get out into the world. Um, and I think I was not so upset when things like my press wasn't able to come to AWP because I really thought that we were just putting it off a year. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that we're going to be in a place in a year to have readings like, you know, mm-hmm. I said last week about Michael Tager saying, we're going to have a party for you. And I, I believe that we will. Um, but I don't think it's going to be at like, originally, my thought was like, oh, we'll do like the one year anniversary. I don't know if we're mm-hmm. going to be at a place to do that in a, in in what is essentially 11 months from now.
0: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see.
1: That's like, like I, this is so silly. I have this green notebook that my um, boss gave me, mm-hmm. which is unlined, which I was like, this is useless to me because my handwriting's so bad. <laughs> But it's green and it's leather and it's got like a string, like a wrappy string. And I was going to have everybody who I signed their book at a reading sign my notebook. Yeah. And that's just going to be empty. Like that feels empty to me. Yeah. And that is, that really brought me down on top of the fact that, and this is the last thing that's sort of been resolved, My microwave handle broke off on Thursday. Yes.
0: I did see this online.
1: And I had put in a maintenance request and a dude had come who I've, who I've like interacted with before. Cause we've lived here for three years now. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Whoa. And I was like, yeah, I just pulled it and it just came right off. Mm-hmm. Cause like, it's an old microwave. Yeah. So then I hadn't heard anything yet. So I call, I put in another request. It was like, Hey, I put this in, but nothing's happened. I haven't heard anything. And then I saw on the app that the, request had been closed and i was like oh and i clicked on the note in it and it said that since we were moving out june 30th they would not be replacing the microwave and would be charging us 200 dollars. moving out so our lease is up june 30th but we're not moving out yeah uh kenny had signed we had given them the signed paperwork saying that we were staying yeah Kenny had filled out the lease. I had not filled out the lease because we, again, we just gotten it basically. Mm-hmm. So apparently because I had not filled out the lease, they took that as we were moving out, even though they had all of like, you have to say that you're not moving out for them to send you the lease. Mm-hmm. And so I called them and she was like, well, you broke it. So you have to pay for it, which is not, I didn't break it. It broke through wear and tear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not like I put aluminum foil, um, with like cheese and,
0: (laughs) Ah, I knew, I knew, I knew we couldn't go this episode without (laughs) talking about the Robert Pattinson GQ profile that came out this week.
1: But yes, I did not do what Robert Pattinson did to his microwave. And so I was just about flipping out because I was like, well, we're not moving out. You have record of that. So I rage filled out my lease, which I can do online. I paid for the homeowner's insurance early so that it would Mm -hmm. be set up for the next year. And Kenny called them back and basically was like, We are not paying for this. This is part of normal maintenance. When our garbage disposal broke, you paid for that.
0: Like, just real quick, you said homeowner's insurance. I think you mean renter's insurance. Yeah, fuck me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Why would I ever have homeowner's insurance? Well,
0: no, uh, sorry.
1: (laughs) (sighs) So, yeah, it was just, it's just been like a hard, Elliot's been, oh, and that's the other thing. I think I've told you Elliot started waking up early. Yeah. I woke up this morning to a small child whispering at the foot of my bed at 5.30. Mm Mm-hmm. I was uh, pretty much awake. Like, I wake up between 5 and 5.45 and then sort of am dozing in and out until my alarm goes off.
3: Yeah.
1: But... The reason I get up so early is to work without him there to offset the times when I have to stop working to take care of him. So if he's getting up at 530, what am I going to do?
0: Got to got to retrain him somehow. Uh, Uh, Yeah. You're 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 very brave to be awake and doing this with me at the current hour, (laughs) knowing that we are just getting started. And, so those um, are all
1: my updates. I've been very sad. I've been crying a lot. Um, it's been very difficult. I realized I was nostalgic for when my father-in-law was in a coma because I could at least be with other people who took care of me then, and I knew that that would end eventually because I knew he would eventually die. Um, so that's where I am. How are you?
0: No, I've seen you say that on Twitter. That's that's <laughs> recapping for me. Um, <laughs> I, I just I, – I before I talk about myself at all and – and frankly, at this point, why should I? <laughs> no, no, I, no, sir- No, but I have nothing going on compared to that. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say in response to the microwave thing, knowing how stressful uh, uh, this all has been for you uh, this week, I'm I'm glad that I didn't comment on the microwave thing. <laughs> but I'll te- I'll tell you I'll tell you why I wanted to comment now, uh-huh. and it may surprise you to learn. I think the fact that I didn't comment this, I think this is evidence. I want it on the record <laughs> for every knit that I do pick, uh-huh. believe it or not, there are like five that I don't, that uh-huh. I just, it just happens in my mind and then I let it go. Uh-huh. <laughs> and this is one that I let go until now because okay. you brought it up. So I wanted to tell you what I was thinking. Seeing the photograph that you took of the handle broken Uh off in your hand. Yeah. Microwave just behind it. Yeah. I wanted to comment, how big is your microwave? Because (laughs) I, I don't know if it was just some kind of optical illusion. Maybe having to do with like you having very small hands or something. But the photograph made your microwave look Enormous. I mean, you like can sort double of... the size of what I think of as a microwave.
1: See this? See this here? I'm pointing to yeah. it, which they can't
0: see. That's the microwave. It, yeah. I'm just looking at it from the side, but mm-hmm. it it continues to look huge.
1: It's. I would say it's not a. I've seen microwaves that are smaller than this, like mm-hmm. a dorm microwave. I would say is smaller than this. Of course. I would say that this is an perfectly average sized over the stove <laughs> microwave. Like because most of the over the stove microwaves that I've encountered are the width of the oven.
0: I yes something or the stove. Something's the going range. on. Sure, <laughs> something's going on here. It might be that what I think of as an average size microwave is below average, or what might what what's happening might be what you think of as an average sized microwave is in fact above average
1: yeah i i guess i'm just comparing this to the or, microwave that laurelly and my mom mm-hmm. have
0: yeah so i don't know about those it's possible that if i saw the other thing that it might be it's possible if i saw it in person i might not think it was so big
1: <laughs> it's true <laughs>
0: and and that's that's
1: i'll measure it for you do you have a yeah. microwave
0: oh yeah yeah okay well, i can see because well,
1: okay. just see you not having one just cuz it didn't for a while you did not have a dishwasher because it just wasn't working so
0: yeah that's different from not having a microwave though I, what do you a, mean? A, a dishwasher is more of a luxury than a microwave is
1: i think a microwave is way more of a luxury than a dishwasher because okay. dishwashers and let me tell you why dishwashers are it is beneficial um, to have a dishwasher because it uses less energy well, energy is it uses more energy, but it uses significantly less water than hand washing. It's like most dishwashers, like even a shitty modern dishwasher, is using five to ten gallons of water, whereas hand washing is going to use like twenty five.
0: I think that you would, ha- and I'm I'm biased in this because I because you of my own a lot of your food, <laughs> my own dietary preferences, but but I am inclined in in uh, entrenched in my bias. I'm inclined to think that you would have to have a lot of time and money, uh, more than average, uh, to to have the regular diet. That would mean that you never need a microwave.
2: Yeah, uh, I guess in in order
0: to eat in your daily life at home,
1: we only we do cook a lot and we have a lot of time, and that is definitely a luxury. We only use the microwave for heating up water. Like, softening butter. Like, we use it to reheat food, like, for lunch. Um,
0: I would like to see the Smug Buds uh, put out a Twitter poll. Yeah. uh, Which is more of a luxury.
1: And then Elliot does eat frozen vegetables, which we will microwave, but we could easily boil them in almost exactly the same amount of time. It's just usually that we're using the stove for our cooking, so we don't. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, if I were to have a small pot, because I'm giving him, what, half a cup of frozen vegetables, so if I had my little pot with water, they would cook in, you know, two minutes, let's say, instead of a minute, And but we just would be using a burner that we don't have access to.
0: So, if you're listening to this, please follow at SmugBuds on Twitter, <laughs> and please vote in the poll, which you will see there, uh, asking the question, which is more of a luxury, a dishwasher mm-hmm. or a microwave?
1: And we want to, I would like to emphasize really quickly that we understand that many people m- may survive perfectly well without either of these. And some people may think that as, they're both
0: incredibly essential. with Yes. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's, that's part of the reason why I'm interested in people's opinions on this question.
1: I, I guess what I mean is like, I'm not shaming anybody who feels either
2: way. Of course. No.
0: Yeah. Nor am I. Yes. let Go from what's new mm-hmm. to what's old, as mm-hmm. in old business.
1: Ooh, old business, baby. Do do do
0: And then later, we will also go from old to old. Yes. Inter- Externally, um, you know, this episode is just called Old English because that's uh-huh. the main topic and that's how we name the episodes. Mm-hmm. But internally, I'm calling this Old Business and Old English. Mm hmm. so do you have any old business uh to bring to the table
1: i have one thing of old business um which we might not want to talk about too much because i've already talked a lot which is i did get animal crossing
0: (laughs) yes okay so let's just talk first impressions um i i will say for myself in the in the world of things uh, that are on my mind that are in my life now mm-hmm. that I may not talk about too much. Uh, 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 I'm, I'm playing magic, the gathering again.
2: Oh my God.
0: And, and you, Oh right. You, I saw
1: Dana posted that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She did Yes. Once so far. Uh, and uh, so Dana <laughs> and I are playing magic and um, you are playing animal crossing new horizons. Yes. Which, which we did discuss uh, earlier this season. First impressions.
1: I love it. I love Mm. everything about it. I've got Kenny playing now, too. I will say that um, when Kenny started watching me play it for a while, he was like, "Um, this just makes me want to play Stardew Valley.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think it helps me to enjoy it that I never got into Stardew Valley. Um, But Um, I will
1: say it's significantly less stressful than Stardew Valley because you know the, the sort of time difference between the two.
0: Yeah, well, I know that Animal Crossing is in real time and Stardew Valley is not. Stardew Valley has a clock and days that turn into nights, but it's not real time. It's it's more like Breath of the Wild where it's yes. compressed.
1: Um, yeah, and it's compressed, I would say, pretty pretty strongly to where like I would be doing something and then it would be like, oh my God, I'm going to pass out mm-hmm. if I don't. Where I feel like in Animal Crossing, you never pass out.
0: No, only, only, <laughs> not not from time.
1: Yes, only from scorpions.
0: And uh, and multiple Tarantulas. Wa- wasp stings.
1: hmm So, yeah, I, I love it. I paid off my tent immediately mm-hmm. and then paid off my house the next day, my first house upgrade. Um, I picked the um, map layout that looks, I think, very similar to the Susquehanna River. <laughs> mm mm-hmm. um, So, I built my um, house right where Harrisburg is. Which yeah. you said interesting choice too mm-hmm.
3: yes, I did
1: Kenny um put his roundabouts where Moscow Pennsylvania is
0: mm, very good,
1: <laughs> um which I don't know if you noticed that when you were uh visiting yesterday. I
0: fully did not notice <laughs> e- either of those things
1: um so yeah, we're both sort of just like it's it's a little bit at one point I visited Sarah's Island for the first time devotee and of the pod and she said to me you might think it's a little bit overwhelming Mm -hmm. and I was like um Mm -hmm. cool and then I got there and I was like oh my god everything on this island is organized every square inch of this island is organized um which is not to say that um she's done by Andy Standard but like I still have random fucking trees everywhere and um Mm -hmm. you know rocks
0: yeah (laughs) There's not much you can do about those rocks. I mean, you can destroy them, and when they're destroyed, they will be replaced. But you can't move them to any specific spot.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, they they when they uh, replicate, they do so uh, seemingly at random, as far as I know. Uh, you can't transplant them in the way that you could a tree, a tree or a flower.
1: I also want to say that Elliot has been watching me play and is a delight. Um, uh, we played today during my lunch break, and he got very upset when I got stung by wasps.
2: Mm-hmm. We then
1: met uh, Saraha, the okay. rug selling camel. Oh,
3: right. Yes.
1: And he, she has like very pronounced, um, like eyelashes for eyes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he was like, "She make her open her eyes because I think mm-hmm. that he thought that she was hurt." Mm. like I had just been by the wasps. Right. Um and then uh then I accidentally gave one of my um residents, what are they called?
0: Yeah, I call them neighbors.
1: Um neighbors. Um I gave her accidentally my axe. Mhm. Um when I, w- I wanted to give her like um,
0: uh,
1: oh an apple.
0: <laughs> like Gimli. Yeah. You were like Gimli to this neighbor. <laughs> I was
1: neighbor. like Gimli. I was like Gimli. Um, and then um, we went to go, I went to go just stop by uh, the, the resident services. And Ellie was like, is that a doctor? Mm-hmm. And he was talking about Tom Nook. But then right. Kenny and I realized he kind of looks like his pediatrician, which I'm now going to show you a photo of, whose oh, name boy. is Stuart Wyke.
0: Oh yeah well okay (laughs) he's definitely wearing a hawaiian shirt in that photo yes and that's definitely a tom nook thing (laughs) in animal crossing new horizons
1: so that was very funny oh and when i accidentally gave deirdre the axe
3: accidentally
1: (laughs) you really you really mind this for all it's worth Mm. um she was like Oh, I'll give you a present, and hilariously, the thing that she gave me in that moment was a garbage pail. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I I'm very happy about it. The one problem that we do nice. have is that, as you know, Kenny mostly plays video games at night. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that means that if he's playing Animal Crossing, he's playing at night. <laughs> so it's night. So like the store's oh, yeah. not open.
0: I- well, uh, yeah, 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 but after, like, 10 p.m.
1: That's that's what I'm saying.
0: He plays after 10?
1: Because I go to bed, as you know, between 9 and 10. Yeah, Like, I'm in bed between 9 and 9.30 and usually asleep after he reads to me like a three-year-old around yeah. 9.30 to 10. And then mm-hmm. he comes out and stays up until midnight, 1 or 2 o'clock
0: in the morning. Gotcha, okay, yeah, I guess I didn't realize the full extent of that.
1: Yeah, so uh, he's playing right now, actually, with, I think... I don't know if Sarah's there right now, but he was going to hang out with Sarah.
0: Have you uh, have you and Kenny had any conversations about the possibility of time traveling?
1: No, I told him about that, though, because I showed him the Financial Times article about this. Okay. Did you see the Financial Times article about this?
0: I don't recall. I might have seen it.
1: So the Financial Times which is a real newspaper. It's pink if you ever see it on a newsstand, mm-hmm. um, which one of Kenny's professors that died actually when he was in school, Dr. Blessing. I don't know if you, re- you remember that name. You wouldn't have had him, but um, he died when we were at college. Be- beloved dude, he was um, somebody, he was reading the Financial Times once and somebody said, why is that pink? And he looked down and looked at the dude and said, it's just the way it comes. <laughs> <laughs> but the Financial Times website also, the background is this light pink.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> they have a whole article that Brandon Amico, a poet, um, posted about people time traveling to cash in on the 5% interest rate at the bank
2: mm-hmm.
1: and how they basically reduced it, like the Fed did after the yeah. recession, to 0.5%. Right. And, um, then the only way to really get money was through the stock, S-T-A-L-K,
0: market with turnips. Yes.
1: <laughs> but they wrote like a real article about it.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that rules. I like that. Here's the old business that I wanted to bring to the table this time. Yes. And it's uh, kind of a sequel to... Uh, the uh, focal point of our conversation about Telltale Games. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. In in which I pitched, uh, or 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 explained the pitch that I thought of at the time mm-hmm. for um, the She-Hulk video game that Telltale should have made when they yes. partnered with Marvel. Yes. So, I've de- I've been developing a new pitch. Uh, which is related to something else that we've, which is still related to Marvel. Again, it's Marvel. It's always Marvel. Um, and something else that we've discussed on the podcast is uh, the Tom Holland uh, Spider-Man movies.
1: Yeah, our, our uh, boyfriend.
0: Okay. Our okay. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. All right. I guess I can share him, but fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, uh, when we uh, when we last met. IRL, mm-hmm. and we recorded the season three mailbag. Uh, Kenny had emailed about the Sony uh, Disney deal. Yes, to keep Spider-Man in the MCU, and we had talked about you know the future of that franchise. Mm-hmm. And I think I brought up Craven the Hunter. Did I not? Yes, yes. Okay. Because I
1: was like, that's the coolest fucking name I've ever
0: heard. <laughs> right? Did I? Did Better we ever than look-
1: Morbius the Living Vampire.
0: only slightly just slightly better um no spider-man truly does have like by far the best rogues gallery outside of batman Mm -hmm. obviously batman has all the best most iconic memorable villains yeah but then in terms you know when you look at marvel like all the best ones are like associated with spider-man yeah totally so uh did we ever look at pictures of Craven the Hunter? No. Okay, would you do a quick Google image search of Craven the Hunter just yeah. so you know uh, who I'm talking about visually <laughs> in visual terms. So for those who don't know or don't remember, Craven the Hunter is a comic <laughs> book character who is a Spider-Man villain who is basically he's a a, a Russian A superhumanly strong, uh, big game hunter Uh who who sets his sights on Spider-Man as his next prize. This dude looks way
1: less, way less cool. Way less cool.
0: (laughs) Craven the hunter is a big game hunter who hunts Spider-Man. Yes, a small game. For years, I have thought about the possibility. And when I say for years, I mean, going back to the Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire days, mm-hmm. the possibility that they would do Craven the Hunter on the big screen. Yes. Make him like the main villain, not just mm-hmm. like some like blink and you'll miss him. Like, did you know that this was like shocker in, yeah. in Spider-Man Homecoming? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I ever since we had that conversation at AWP. Um, I've just thought more and more about this yeah. when when a normal person might think about it less and less. And um, I thought I had an idea that created a problem for me, and then I had another idea to try and solve that problem. <laughs> okay. And the problematic idea that I had was how would the MCU do Craven the Hunter? Uh-huh. Not not just. You know, general thinking like how would you put them on the big screen, but like knowing the uh, proclivities of the MCU, how how would they adapt that character? Because yeah. they do they do a lot of like, oh, it's this character from the comic books, but this is the movie version of them. Yeah, totally. and and they do totally different things with like continuity and like relationships, and and look and powers and blah blah blah. So I was thinking, okay, if we're going to do, it, it's 2020. If we're going to do Craven the Hunter in the MCU, in the year 2020, what do you, or who do you, Liz, think of when you think of big game hunting?
1: Oh my God, the Jimmy Johns dude? <laughs> <laughs> Where he's like naked with that whale.
0: Great answer.
1: On the boat. Do you know what I'm Gr- talking about?
0: I think I do know what you're <laughs> talking about. Yes. I've heard of the... I don't think I've seen the image, but I've heard of the Jimmy Johns guy.
1: Otherwise, I just think of, like, those, like, fucking Republicans that are like, we should just shoot a giraffe. Like...
0: Yeah. You're, you're basic. You're almost saying what I expected you to say, which is, you, which is Donald Trump Jr. You think yes, You yes. think of... You think of rich people, and in particular, you think of, like, uh, what the internet might call fail-sons. You're familiar with the term fail-son? No. S-O-N. It's like, it, it's basically internet vernacular for, like, a, a, a man who is... Oh, oh, Liz is sho- oh Jesus! Liz is showing me a picture that I really wish I had not seen. <laughs> Take it away, please. Um, he has
1: also killed other animals besides that. It was not a whale; it was a shark. But continue.
0: It was a picture of the Jimmy John's guy, and uh, the picture came with uh, free smells. <laughs> uh, so, a, so, a son fail son is like you know a a guy who. Uh, he's wealthy. He's only wealthy because he's the son of a wealthy family and being, you know, an inheritor of great wealth and, and born into it. it, It's, he's you know, there's just no, there's no chance for this person Mm -hmm. to be like decent or normal, you know, they're, they're just like, uh, weird, weird, pathetic people. Yeah. So I'm thinking, Okay. How do how do we use that to and apply it to Craven the Hunter? And I'm just thinking, okay, if we did Craven the Hunter in the 2020s, uh-huh. he would have to be like a rich douchebag, mm-hmm. and in order to you know, in in order in order to create a character who like people recognize as like the the trope that I'm describing it would have to be like a young to middle age like fail son type guy mm-hmm. um and I was thinking like okay like what if what if you did that version of Craven the hunter okay because that's the modern game hunter yeah the problem that that creates is that it, the problem the problem is the picture that you saw when you googled Craven the Hunter.
1: Yeah, can I can I describe it really briefly? Yeah. Yeah, go so for it. So, it's a really really beefy dude. Like the only mm-hmm. person that I can think to compare it to in terms of how beefy he is is someone like The Rock or Jason Momoa. Yeah. He's wearing pants, whatever, a belt, and then he's wearing he has those things where he has like they're not bandages, but they're like bandages like wrapped around his forearms for some mm-hmm. reason. Like he's going to punch something. Like a boxer. wrist support. And then he's wearing a necklace made of teeth and then Mm -hmm. a vest that appears to be made from the head of a lion if you Mm -hmm. cut from the midpoint of its forehead down in between its eyes and down around its mouth so that the eyes, for some reason, are still there and they are directly over where this dude's hulking nipples would be
0: yes he wears an entire lion's head As just over over his torso
1: with eyes for nipples like that's the look he's going for is nipple
0: eyes so I, so now the conflict that i have is i say i simultaneously i want to do craven the hunter because he's craven the hunter and yes. he's that guy you see in the picture yes but also at the same time and it's contradictory I want them to do like a modern 2020s, like rich douchebag fail son guy in the big game hunter role. Mm -hmm. So the solution that I came up with, and this is, and this is the pitch that I've developed. (laughs) Will is
1: pointing in the air. He is very ready.
0: For the next Spider-Man movie. Okay. My pitch is you do both. And here's how you do it. (laughs) Okay. There we go. So the scene where we meet these two characters is on a hunt in, you know, like African safari type territory. We meet a guy who is our, uh, rich, uh, douchebag. Yeah. And he's on a hunt with guides, like Uh local guides. Yes. Who are basically doing everything for him, Uh but they are like, Treating him like he's the star.
1: Uh-huh. Because he's paying them a lot of money.
0: Right. Exactly. And so they've got, you know, a, a sniper rifle in the dirt uh, all set up for him. Like, the shot is, like, lined up. Yeah. He just has he to He just the needs to lie down and pull the trigger. In the distance is, like, a rhino. Uh-huh. And he's going to kill by pulling the trigger. And he does. And the rhino's dead. And then they go take pictures with the rhino. uh uh-huh and they're getting their photos and then the guides are like great job you really killed this rhino now let's move on and the rich guy is like no i want to i want to get a picture from like the other side or like he's he's like he wants more yeah and and he's get, and the guides are trying to move him along but he's insisting and basically what i wanted to be is like the rhino has fallen over in such a way this, I haven't worked this part out how this how this happens but somebody <laughs> this is the question marks before the prophet somebody 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 in design can figure this out for me uh-huh. he he needs to be able to go around the rhino and see the exit wound okay and this what we learn is that this rich guy he's everything that we think he is but he's just like a little bit smarter okay then, then everyone assumes that he is uh-huh. because of who who he is.
1: He's the and Donald Trump, not the Eric.
0: If you if you like, <laughs> <laughs> he's actually a person who doesn't exist. Yes, of course. Uh, so. uh, and uh, he is smart enough to recognize that comparing the exit wound to the entry wound, it doesn't make sense for the angle at which he fired uh-huh. the shot. And he looks up and there's, like, a cliff edge, like, higher up. And he's like, that's where the shot must have been taken from. But I wasn't up there. Uh Uh-huh. So what he discovers is that this, you know, company of, you know, hunting guides, what they do is they take these guys out, you know, make them think Uh that they're the big, great, strong hunters but really, they're like firing blanks and they're right. like, they're not doing anything because every time they ever gave one of these guys a loaded gun, like somebody died or like something horrible happened. Yeah. And so they were like, okay, let's <laughs> let's just give them blanks and give them their dead rhino uh-huh. and we'll make them think that they killed the rhino because we have a guy who the rich people never meet
2: uh-huh.
0: who's, who's taking the real shot and that guy is craven the hunter ah. but this one rich guy is smart enough to recognize what's going on and so he's like take me to meet the real guy and the guides are like we don't know who you're talking about and he's like i'll pay you triple yeah. and they and they take him to meet the real guy <laughs> and then i
1: hope at some point in my life i get to say i'll pay you triple and then get something that i
0: want and without then pay- exploiting anybody and then craven the hunter he he's you know he's supposed to be comp- he's like completely secretive he's like nobody knows who he is yeah he's just obsessed with his like his own prizes he's not doing it for like glory from other people he's se- he's secretly the best yeah and so the guides take the rich guy to see craven the hunter and craven the hunter kills them he's like they betrayed my Confidence, I'm so, you know, they, they you know, they sold, it, so they sold me out, basically. Yeah. And he'll kill this rich guy, too. But the rich guy is like, okay, you need a new boss because you just killed your bosses. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I'm going to pay you this much money to hunt and kill Spider-Man. I so, love that,
1: actually. Right.
0: So. Not actually, but this is just a silly person. So I think you've done a good job. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Um, the one piece of the puzzle that's missing now is who this, uh, rich asshole is. And I, asking myself that question, I asked like, okay, he ought to be someone's son.
1: Uh-huh. So
0: then whose son is he? Yeah. And the first thought that I had was, do you remember Sam Rockwell in Iron Man 2? Yes. He was like Tony Stark's uh, rival. Yeah. He was like also a billionaire inventor. Yeah. I was like, okay, this he can be that guy's son. So I started Googling in the comic books, does that character have a son? Yeah. And he doesn't. He has a daughter and a granddaughter. So I was like, okay, they, they, they could do this anyway. And they could take some kind of inspiration from that. But then I... Then I came up with what I think is an even better idea, although I still like the Sam Rockwell idea. Yeah. And the motivation could be like, Iron Man is dead, Spider-Man is like the heir apparent to Yeah, whoa, spoilers though,
1: man. God.
0: Sorry, spoiler alert, but (laughs) Iron Man died last year, (laughs) and Spider-Man was like his protege. Yeah,
1: I mean, that makes perfect sense,
0: yeah. Sam Rockwell is behind bars. The fail son wants revenge. He can't get revenge on Iron Man. Iron Man's already dead. Spider-Man, the world just found out that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Spoiler alert, that's the end of the last Spider-Man movie.
1: Yeah, which I also haven't seen yet.
0: So just (laughs) by association with Sam Rockwell and Iron Man, that's where the motivation would come from. Perfect. Then the second idea that I thought of was in the comics, J. Jonah Jameson has a son. Who? J. Jonah Jameson, uh, uh, editor of the newspaper where uh, Peter Parker takes photos. Oh, okay. And J. Jonah Jameson, who was famously played by J.K. Simmons in the Sam Raimi movies. And then. I love J.K. Simmons. He briefly reprised the role in the new Spider Man movie. Where it, uh, when Peter Parker's identity is revealed to the world, mm-hmm. J. Jonah Jameson is there on the television. He is apparently some kind of TV pundit on a set that kind of makes it look like it's Info Wars, but mm-hmm. it might be like actual television. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's doing his thing where he hates Spider Man and he's telling the world that Spider Man is Peter Parker. Um, so J. Jonah Jameson exists in the MCU, and he hates Spider-Man. Uh-huh. In the comics, J. Jonah Jameson has a son. In fact, if you remember Spider-Man 2, the Sam Raimi one, Mary Jane was supposed to get married. Mm
2: -hmm. She
0: was supposed to get married to J. Jonah Jameson's son. Oh. And he was an astronaut. (laughs) And there's a scene in Spider-Man 2 where Mary Jane, he's like lying down on a couch, and Mary Jane kisses him, but like upside down. Oh like from the first movie with Spider-Man and he says something like, uh, it felt like being back on the moon again. Yeah. So in the comics, J Jonah Jameson's son is an astronaut who does go to the moon (laughs) and on the moon, he finds a strange gem (laughs) that when he takes it back to earth and, wears it around his neck because he steals it from NASA because he is so obsessed with it. Yeah. It turns him into a werewolf. So. What? I'm not Because saying... it's from the moon? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> the, the character's name is Manwolf, And that's, that's basically the idea is like, what if you had no. a werewolf who had actually been to the moon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm not saying I want to do that in this movie but in but, the sequel but yes but in the <laughs> sequel for sure but I, I'm saying that's the character and you and he's not a werewolf but you can do but he's he's J Jonah Jameson's son he's like the secondary villain and you could do some fun things that, like, reference that he's a werewolf in the comics. Like, he could be wearing, like, the Three Wolves t-shirt with the yeah. full moon uh, in a scene A t-shirt or I almost like
1: bought for my book tour.
0: Oh, f- uh, oh yeah, that makes sense. And That's I'm glad fun. I, as
1: a joke, but I'm glad I yeah. didn't because, um...
0: You wouldn't well, want to own that now.
1: <laughs> I don't want to own it just for fun.
0: Right. Although it's a very funny item to own.
1: Yeah, I did buy a shirt from, um... Wild Fang that was um, promoting Abby Wambach's book mm-hmm. called Wolfpack, which is like a weird. I mean, it's not weird. It's one of those like self, not self help, but like inspirational books about leadership. But it's written okay. by like a queer woman, so that's good. It's also yeah. really the length of a long essay. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Like it
1: should not be in a hard bound, perfect bound book. Okay. Um, with signets or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did a collab together, and she. Had a shirt that she was selling that said "Ain't no little red," mm-hmm. so I bought
2: that shirt.
0: Yeah. So uh, before we move on from the Spider-Man pitch, let's just briefly talk about casting. And I have been uh, awake uh, in uh, for sleepless nights uh, thinking about my casting of these two characters, and in particular, Craven the Hunter, the real one um and here's what i've come up with i'm i i have one idea that i'm very proud of and okay. the other one that i'm i still want something better so i'll tell you the one that i want something better for craven okay. the hunter i'm thinking um do you remember in the dark night there's a guy uh who has dogs he's he's called the chechen and he's like my dogs he
2: has dogs
0: he yes, has, I
1: think I do. Yes,
0: and he's like he's, in from the, Chechn-
1: and, he's from Chechnya.
0: Yeah, and he's called the Chechen, and and he's six dogs on Batman in the beginning, and yes. then by the end, the Joker has like Ramsey Bolton style, like fed him to to his own dogs or something <laughs> like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that sounds right.
0: So I'm thinking that guy can be Craven the Hunter, <laughs> and and I I have uh, a tab open in my browser on my phone. Okay. Uh, his name is Richie Coster.
2: Richie Coster.
0: Richie Coster. So Richie Coster is my current pick to play Craven the Hunter. I'm. I would like to find a better one. No offense, oh, Richie, shit. but I. I He's
1: fifty-two. I, so
0: I've thought about a lot of possibilities, and um, that's the first one that I've settled on. Not. I mean, it's the first one I've found that that I can't eliminate for some reason.
1: Yeah, no, totally.
0: Um, but I mean, here's, what I, here's what here's what I'm proud that. of. uh uh-huh. Maybe this maybe this is a little obvious knowing what you and I know uh about what I'm, what I'm the name I'm about to say, but mm-hmm. um it's not obvious to the average person. Mm-hmm. Um the the rich asshole, J. Jonah Jameson's son, will be played by connor o'malley
2: oh yes yes For,
0: from from the previously discussed joe para talks with you
1: yes please
0: please indeed
1: my god
0: kevin feige everyone at disney and marvel studios just a big please <laughs> to hear me out <laughs> i think you've got more time than ever everyone at sony too whoever's listening I think you've got. I think you've got more time than you had before to uh, to 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 plan out, plan this movie, to write this script, to to cast people. Just can just consider the pitch as I've laid it out.
2: Yeah, Uh,
1: we all know the Batman uh, movie got paused. Everything else must be
0: right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, Everything's on hold. Um,
1: But you know what's not on hold, Will?
0: Our imaginations. Exactly right. We can dream. We can dream up new movies and um, one, one day we'll know uh, how the real movies compare to our yeah. imaginations. Yeah. Um, so that's my old business. Uh-huh. I knew it would take a while.
1: Yeah, that's fine. But this is going to be, you don't have as much to talk about for this, right?
0: That's exactly why, yes, I've yes. done it this way is because yeah. um, I'm going to talk about Old English next. And uh, I could probably fill plenty of time doing so, but um, I don't really have the intent to fill a ton of time um, about this particular topic. So um, we always get a baseline. Uh, Liz, do you have a baseline on the subject of Old English?
1: So I have one thing, which is that I always bring up Old English at work. Mm. Because people in my industry love to capitalize shit. Ah. Like broker-dealer. I think I've mentioned I work in a financial SRO. Broker-dealer is a word that people love to capitalize. And there's mm-hmm. just literally no reason for it. It's just a common mm-hmm. noun like cat, dog, house, boat, whatever. Houseboat even. And that was a good joke. And uh,
0: Sorry, I missed it.
1: <laughs> I said cat, dog, house, boat, houseboat, houseboat okay.
0: even. Yes, I think I was confused because uh, you were listing them so quickly that when the first two items on the list were cat and dog, I thought thought of cat dog from cat dog. See,
1: that's a proper noun.
0: Yes, it is. Yes. But I was already primed for uh, houseboat to be one item on the list and not two. This is Fair. shockingly relevant to what I want to say about Old English. Well, right. And so not the way you're thinking. I'm not okay. referring to the capitalization.
1: So so what I will always say to people is when I'm in like a commi- – because occasionally I'm in a committee meeting and I basically have to tell everybody that they're wrong. And one of the things that comes up constantly is capitalization. Because people will say things to me like, well, it's a defined term. And I have to say – well just because it's defined doesn't mean we have to capitalize it it's not old english you know and then i'll say when it was old english people kind of just capitalized things for emphasis or because they thought they were important and we've standardized capitalization since then and broker dealer does not need to be capitalized and then they usually go ooh, 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 ooh. Mm-hmm. um so yeah so that's um that's that's my baseline which is that when you look at old english i know that It is absolutely where a lot of English words, you know, it's where English came from. But in many ways, it's unrecognizable to what we're looking at
0: now. I would say that, yes, uh, I uh, basically my understanding is that you're correct. Um, My experience um, differs a little bit from the things that you're saying, but um, I'll elaborate on that. So uh, you're correct. It's called Old English. Uh, because it is English, uh, but old, uh, and it's, it's called old English because even though it is a, uh, distinct language, uh, that a, a modern reader couldn't just, uh, translate on the fly with no, no knowledge of the language. Um, it, it's, it's not called something else yeah. like say, uh, Anglo-Saxonese or something, um, to, to make it clear that, that, uh, English as we know it did, did come from this. It, yeah. it, uh, you may have heard uh, also of Middle English, right? Yes. That's so, Beowulf
1: was Middle English?
0: No. Beowulf was Old English. Beowulf is Old English. Beowulf is um, very, very old.
1: Canterbury Tales is Middle English.
0: I believe that's right. Okay. So, uh, Do you have any sense or any guess as far as dates uh, for these periods? So, uh, so we're talking about three periods. We're talking about Old English which becomes Middle English, which becomes Modern English.
1: I want to say, I'm going to go backwards. I want to say Modern English starts around 1600.
0: Yeah, I think the Oxford English Dictionary says 1500. Okay. If, uh, I'm, I'm just going off the top of my head here, but I just read this yesterday. So that's that's what I'm remembering.
1: Middle English, I want to say, starts, or I feel like it's a shorter time period. I feel like it's like 1200.
0: Yeah, you're – I think you're almost right on the I money. I cannot believe
1: I, I, am, I am pulling this out of my head right now.
0: No, I think uh, – <laughs> Because what, basically, I'm pulling this from high school. Yeah, and I'm pulling it from reading it on the internet last night <laughs> and also prior knowledge of it. But that's less relevant than what happened just last night um, because of recency. Um, basically, what, what you're saying is um, – Uh, I think the Oxford English Dictionary defines Middle English as everything from 1150 to 1500. Okay. If I remember correctly. So everything since 1500 is quote unquote modern English and everything before 1150 is Old English. Yeah. And we have texts uh, written in Old English dating back to like the 5th century. Okay. So So it's like... It's yeah. like eight centuries worth of. Yeah,
1: and Mid- Middle English, that's why the Maybe reason not I eight, know that the Middle English six? period was so much shorter, which is yeah. still, you know, hundreds of years, is because I remember that. Canter- and clearly I got the, the, the Beowulf thing wrong, but yeah, Canterbury right. Tales, I remember at the time it being like, this is basically one of the only texts that we still have any care for from Middle mm-hmm. English. But part of the reason for that is because. It was just such a short time period,
2: right?
0: especially Mm -hmm.
1: without the prevalence of printing and stuff.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. No, that makes sense based on what I think I know. Um, So real quick, let's try to do context for why I'm talking about this. And for context, I'm just curious, what languages have you studied and when and why? German. Uh Uh-huh.
1: I took three years of German, uh, four years of German. I took uh, it in eighth through 11th grade. And then I stopped senior year because it didn't fit my schedule. And also my German teacher was just insufferable. Mm -hmm. Um, Bless her. She then, she got married and then was with her husband while he had throat cancer. And then he divorced her right after I graduated high school. Yikes. (laughs) But she was really bad. But I liked German because it made so much sense to me. It was very, Mm -hmm. it felt very, um logical in my brain yeah um and then at one point i decided that i was going to very recently like when elliot was like um one year old i thought i should learn spanish because Mm -hmm. i interact with so many people who speak spanish and it is disrespectful of me to not make an effort to understand the basic words they are saying and Mm -hmm. so i did that for about six months on duolingo and then bob had a stroke and i stopped and i have not picked it up
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah,
1: but that's it. That's all I've done.
0: So, just to answer my own question, um, when uh, it's in b- prior to high school, I had a little bit of Italian in school. That was like negligible. Uh, entering high school, and uh, you may remember, I went to a a very fancy schmancy uh, private high school for. Well, I've um, not forgotten very privileged smart young boys and but you did um, not
1: have a uniform for some reason
0: we had a dress code yes. and um, one of uh, my esteemed uh, um, uh, no not one of the other alumni of my another alumnus of my esteemed alma mater is is none other than, none other than SNL's Colin Jost who 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 recently How have you
1: not told me this before. <laughs>
0: I only learned this recently when my mother uh, emailed me a piece uh, in in The New Yorker, which you could read online, Uh and it was an excerpt from Colin Jost's memoir. Oh, and he mentions your school. It's all about, uh, uh, not the memoir, not the book itself, but But this chapter in The New Yorker, in particular, it was all about his commute. It was not so much about the school itself, oh. but it was all about the fact that he lived on Staten Island, but he went to this high school in, in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And it was about his experience going back and forth between the two, which is a little bit different from my experience. But you had a commute still, though, right? But I was living, I lived in Queens. And so, yeah, right. I, I had a commute as well. Um, so, uh, Which is hilarious,
1: to a a hilarious word to use in relation to a high schooler, but it uh, absolutely
2: applies.
0: If if you say so. (laughs) Uh, Entering this high school, uh, I was told uh, you will be required to take uh, a language for three years. Um, Pick your language now out of these five options. Okay. Spanish, French, German, Mm -hmm. Mandarin Chinese... And Latin. Yes. Do you know which one I chose? Latin? Yes. Yeah. Do you, do you know why?
1: Because you thought, this is dead and I'll never have to use it?
0: Close enough, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> I... We, for
1: the record, at my not fancy schmancy high school, though it was, as Kenny calls, a city school, meaning he always says that I'm a city girl. <laughs> we had everything except Chinese. My country girl. <laughs> <laughs> my country country. girl stop
0: uh so uh yeah i chose latin so i took three years of latin and then i had the option to take a fourth and i said no thank you
1: you said fuck this
0: because not because not because of the thing in general but specifically because of latin three Mm. junior year in this high school was notorious for being like there's it's too hard. There's too much stuff. This is yeah. the hardest year.
1: Right. Because they're sort of like boosting up all your shit so that you, that's what, cause that's essentially what colleges are seeing if you're applying in the fall.
0: Absolutely. Junior year Latin was, I think in hindsight, my worst, uh, overall academic experience. And, wow. the, and the reason why was because, uh, like so many of my peers in that class, I, one, uh, never did the homework, and two, it was never okay that I wasn't doing the homework.
1: <laughs> Can you please exp- ex- like explain my expression right now?
0: I mean, you're, you look pretty fed up. <sighs> but here's the thing. Yeah,
1: it should never be okay that you don't do the homework. And I I don't mean that in terms of like resources or people's availability or flexibility or kindness. But like, oh my God, if you can do the homework, do the fucking homework. That's the point.
0: If I could have done it, I would have done it. Mm -hmm. Because I'm a human being and I'm always doing my best and I always have. (laughs) And it's not my fault that... They put all the best television on television. Oh Jesus after, Christ. After eleven thirty PM.
1: Oh my god. Didn't we have TiVo in twenty oh six? Two thousand 2007 I, I, had a,
0: I had a television in my bedroom and it had rabbit ears. <laughs> and um, I I I think I think I was a sophomore when I fell asleep in class the most. But I, I'm sure I'm sure that wasn't just relegated to sophomore year. I'm sure I'm sure it continued into junior year. And the thing about um taking a class like this, like Latin three, it was all translation.
1: Okay. That sounds cool. I mean so,
0: for me. <laughs> it's kind it's kind of like math. If everyone's yeah. getting the same homework, yeah. then it's the all the answers are all gonna be the same. Mm-hmm. Um so might get their um, different ways,
1: but
0: yeah. So w- we we just we had an understanding.
1: Oh my god! We had an Even understanding. The boys.
0: Yeah, the boys and I had an understanding <laughs> that like we could copy <laughs> off of each other, and and um, you know there was no tit for tat, there was no quid pro quo. We were we just we just had each other's backs. And my I had two Latin teachers. I had one Latin teacher for. Latin's 1 and 3 and I had a different one in the middle for Latin 2. Mm-hmm. And the one in the middle was Mr. Jackson and the uh, other one was Dr. Mac, uh which is <laughs> which is an abbreviation. Okay. Of a longer name. Yeah. Dr. uh Dr. Mac and Mr. Jackson uh disagreed on uh pronunciation of of Latin.
2: Oh my god. Uh, so I got
0: so I got both. I got both <laughs> uh, versions. Um, and um, Dr. Mac uh, uh, rest in peace uh, who is no longer with us Um, this is uh, this is what he would sound like uh, to the best of my ability and this is something that he might say Mr. (laughs) Halfacker translate the next verse don't just sit there (laughs) dreaming of the white stone bridge what the fuck is the Whitestone Bridge? I live. He knew that I lived in Whitestone, New York. And so he assumed that to get home, I would go over the Whitestone Bridge. <sighs> um, so that was his whole vibe. And so I was like, uh, when I had the opportunity to get out of there, uh, I, I, Latin 3 just gave me, you know, too much anxiety. I was too... Overburdened with other homeworks and other responsibilities and by the way having a girlfriend for the first time which was Very stressful
1: That was stressful. (laughs) I've never talked to you about your first girlfriend. Not that we need to right now But I did not know that that was
0: stressful Hell no (laughs) (laughs) And uh, uh, so um, Senior year uh, I I, uh, We were given a lot more agency over uh, what classes we would take kind of helping prepare us for college Mm -hmm. And one of my friends had the idea to do an independent study with one of our theology teachers uh, on uh, biblical Hebrew. And uh, the more he talked about it, the more uh, some of us uh, signed up. So a class of six of us.
1: That's so weird, Will.
0: (laughs) Took uh, a year of biblical Hebrew in um, uh, senior year of high school. And that was one of the best academic experiences That's that good. I've had. It ruled. It was yeah. just the six of us who were friends and really cool with each other. And a teacher who <laughs> we loved because he was really funny and yeah. smart and and just, you know, good in the ways that a, t- a teacher uh, uh, is. Um, and uh, and it was learning uh, a language with a different alphabet that goes <laughs> in a different direction. Like Like what My- could be... My boss,
1: uh, my boss, um, I think I may have mentioned this, but maybe not. She's Jewish and just had an adult mitzvah. Mm -hmm. She just never took, you don't have to have a bat or bar mitzvah, apparently, uh, to be Jewish and, Mm -hmm. uh. I mean, like to be like active in the Jewish community. And mm-hmm. so she decided, you know, that she was going to take this class. So for months she was like, she didn't tell me, I mean, not that she said tell me right away, but she told me like months into the process. And then I actually went to her mitzvah and it was very beautiful.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but she was showing me some of the Hebrew that she was learning. And cause they were not learning to translate it at all. They were just literally learning to read it yes. so that they could read the mm-hmm. prayers and the hymns and the songs and stuff. Yeah, right. And, um, She was like, so, you know, these are the letters and then there are these little marks and they tell you the vowels and then there are these other little marks and they tell you because she was singing these songs that went with them Mm -hmm. like or chants. I'm not using the right words, but there were notes and she was like, these are here now, but they won't be Mm -hmm. at my mitzvah. And I was like, Claire, I literally don't know how the fuck you're doing this. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm yeah. very impressed that you took that class because she was just like, and Cl- Claire is so smart and so good. And uh, I just was like, yeah, this sounds terrible.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. It's like all the big letters that you see, they're all consonants. Yes. And the vowels are just like implied? markings. <laughs> yeah, the vowels are implied or like when we're reading or translating or writing um, today, you know, for our purposes, we have like markings um that uh they're sort of you know like an umlaut or something there they're just
1: umlauts or apostrophes or tildes
0: yeah like they look as insignificant as like punctuation marks but like they are sneezed like on the page. standing in for the vowels
1: yeah cuz and by uh, that i mean they're very small
0: <laughs> i'll t- i'll tell you the funny story that i remember from biblical hebrew class um we had a textbook that we were working from like A lot of textbooks uh, for learning languages Uh, it had chapters and the chapters had vocabulary lists Mm -hmm. and at some point a few chapters into the book we were reviewing a particular vocabulary list and that vocabulary list had the word Gamal which means camel Mm -hmm. and uh, my friend Brian uh, my best friend Brian um, said uh, he very very funny just said this to be funny Uh, Just made a funny observation. He said, I would like to point out that at this point in the book, we have just learned the word for camel before we've learned the the Hebrew word for woman. (laughs) To which our teacher said, after a nice, healthy comedy beat. Said. It gets lonely out in the desert.
2: Oh my God.
1: God damn, did you just lose it? Were you just all crying and wiping tears from your young faces?
0: Absolutely. I think the only time I might have laughed harder at a student teacher interaction like that in high school was in freshman year when we had biology. And one of my peers, who probably thought he was really funny, said dr carew why do men have nipples and dr carew said uh in his south african accent by the way which i won't attempt (laughs) to imitate uh he said uh he what he said well they're for foreplay right guys
2: (laughs) oh my god
1: a valid a truly valid point but absolutely fucked with that kid (laughs)
0: I, rem- I remember it to this day, and I'm not even the one who asked the question. <laughs> so uh, we went to Susquehanna University, where uh, we had a, a one-year foreign language requirement in our core curriculum. Yeah. Um, I was not in a position to leverage any of my previous studies into waiving that requirement. Uh, I put it off until senior year. And then I took a year of Italian. for Can I no say good reason. I,
1: I tested out of German somehow?
0: That's that's great. I took a and, test.
1: Like, did you yes. have to take a test to like see if you tested I, out? Do you remember this?
0: I I don't recall ever taking a test.
1: I took a test on a computer. I want to say in Steel, like on the top floor of Steel mm-hmm. and Steel Hall, for those of you not familiar with Susquehanna's campus. And I remember thinking, "Fuck, who knows what's gonna happen with that?" Because again. You know, I studied, but I was by no means ever fluent in German. And that's what I mean when I say German just made sense to me because Mm -hmm. I somehow tested out. I didn't get credit, but I tested out of needing to take a language requirement and then just took a different class. So, yes, you took Italian senior year.
0: That's great. I wish I could have done that. Not that I had a bad experience in Italian. It was fine. Yeah. Uh, I just could have been doing something else. Um, I'm I'm glad you brought up German again. Do you know that um, German would... Your your background in studying German would probably give you a little bit of a leg up if you were to study Old English.
1: I do because isn't it considered a Germanic language?
0: As uh, just as modern English is, yes.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, I am. Uh, I am referring to my Old English textbook, which I'll explain I- in a moment why I have it. Yes. Uh, For introduction- your own personal studies. Now it is, but it wasn't always. <laughs> <laughs> uh, introduction to old english third edition by peter s baker uh and on page four uh it says the germanic branch of the indo-european family is usually divided into three groups north germanic east germanic and west germanic There are examples of each and english is an example in the west germanic uh group mm. and it just says english it doesn't say it doesn't specify old english um, but we so, gotta start somewhere. Right. So when it said Indo-European family, does that mean anything to you?
1: I guess I I guess it means like European languages so probably latin based languages, so like ones that use the Latin alphabet that not like Cyrillic or the Hebrew alphabet.
0: Yeah, I think you're you're basically on the money there. It might be sort of broader than that. Yeah. Um but uh the Indo-European family of languages is um uh it, it's basically theorized that, that they all have a common ancestor.
1: Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. But
0: that that was so long ago that we don't have a record of it.
1: Because we didn't have writing yet.
0: And um
1: question mark, we didn't because we didn't have writing yet.
0: Um, not 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 that we have access to today. Yeah, so, yeah. Yes, not that we have any evidence of. Um and so uh, uh back in those uh ancient times, if I may call them ancient Um, there was a land that we, uh, the historians refer to as Germania. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Germania was not really a a nation, but just a land,
2: a region, a
0: region full of different tribes. Mm -hmm. And some of those tribes, uh, migrated to, uh, what we call Britain now. Um, and those people, uh, became what we call the Anglo-Saxons. Uh-huh. And, um, Presumably, you know, they spoke something else, something closer to German, maybe something closer to this Indo-European ancestor Uh uh, when they migrated. But from the time when they migrated to the time when we have records of their writing. Yes. Their language developed into what we now call Old English.
2: Uh Uh-huh.
0: And uh, so getting back to... uh, uh, my history of studying languages and arriving finally at why I have this textbook. Um, my one year of Italian in college was not good enough for uh, my uh, master's, uh, My the institution where I got my master's. Right. Yeah. Where they had a two, two year language requirement for all students, uh, not just undergraduates. Wow. Okay. Um, And so I was there to get a master's in creative writing, I would be there for only two years. And um, a lot of people were in the position that I was in, not just when I was there, but in years prior as Mm -hmm. well. And so there was a member of the English faculty who started teaching old English to grad students to help them with this language requirement. Wow, yeah. And so, in my second of two years doing a master's in creative writing, which by the way is is not the same as a lot of the masters in creative writing you may have heard about because most people assume MFA when they hear that and MFA uh, is uh, mostly creative writing workshops and and you know
1: it's more based in craft and um workshop and creation let's say
0: i got an ma and i had perfectly
1: fine i feel like i need to say that every time
0: thank you (laughs) and it's fine with me as well that's oh the
1: the other note that mm -hmm. i think is important is and this has become sort of wishy-washy because of people jobs the job market and stuff like that but technically an mfa is supposed to be a terminal degree. terminal
0: degree yes
1: an ma is supposed to not be a terminal degree which means that if you get an ma the idea is that you haven't really finished you should be getting a doctorate and that with an mfa you should be done there's nothing but of course people have mfas and then get doctorates because
0: did i have help. any intention of getting a doctorate is that why i went into an ma program no, no.
1: that's where you got accepted
0: and, and, and it's, it's not the only place, but it's the place that offered me the most.
2: Yes, absolutely. Um,
0: I applied to several MFA programs and one MA program. <laughs> I was accepted by one MFA program and one MA program. How many
1: programs did you apply to? Do you remember?
0: I don't remember, but I want to say it was in the ballpark of eight.
1: Okay, yeah. Less than me.
0: The MFA program that accepted me was in Georgia and okay. they were like, your teaching stipend will be $8,000. Yeah. And the MA program that accepted me was in Ohio. And they said that your teaching stipend will be $12,000.
1: Yeah. Take the Ohio one.
0: I said, okay, see you <laughs> in the fall. <laughs> and um, be, par, I, I guess I, I, I think that the MA as opposed to MFA is a good way of explaining at least partially why I was exposed, I think more than some of my peers to the braid of English, not only creative writing, but literature and rhetoric and composition. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, as I said, my second of two years, um, one of my classes was uh, old English. So uh, it was me and maybe 10 to 15 other grad students. That's a pretty
1: big class for a grad
0: class. Some of them master students, some of them PhDs, which was the case with all of my classes. It was, it was a mix. Um, and it was us and this, uh, professor, Dr. Dutton, uh, Dr. Marsha Dutton, who was, uh, wonderful, uh, and, and whose class I loved being in, uh, and, um, We studied out of this textbook, which I showed you earlier. Um, Can you see the
1: cover? Can you put it up for me?
0: Mm -hmm. Can you see it now?
1: Yeah, it's just got this beautiful like um, mosaic or mural on it. That's, I wasn't expecting. I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that.
0: I held on to this. I'm just curious. So so basically, I just want to say um, the reason I held on to this and the reason why I thought I would talk about this is because I had a great experience studying this. I, uh, it, and it was my last year of grad school and I haven't gone back to school since it, it was like the last gr- great academic oh. experience that I had. Yeah, And, and I enjoyed it so much because, and this is, this is where the podcast is called the smug bud. So I get to brag without saying not of to course. brag. I was I was really good at it.
1: <laughs> yeah, this sounds like something you'd be good at.
0: Yeah. Um, sounds like something uh, that would
1: really just fit into your brain and function. I,
0: I latched on to this a lot more than I ever latched on to my Latin classes in high school. Um, and it was more, more like that biblical Hebrew year where I was like, yeah, like, I really, like, volunteered to do this and, like... I'm engaged with it and and whatnot, even though, even though in this case in grad school, it was fulfilling a requirement and it was sort of like, oh, this is weird. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, I was so good at it that um, by the end of the first uh, semester, uh, Dr. Dutton uh, pulled me aside one day, um, sat me down in in her office and said, would you consider joining another group next semester, which is a smaller group, which is the group that's been studying this longer with me. Mm-hmm. It's basically like the advanced class um, in which we were... Um, Old uh, English
1: too. It's not Middle English yet.
0: Right. Yes. In <laughs> fact, it might be even older. Um, hence the, oh, the wow. difficulty level. Um, and, and we did read some Beowulf in that class. And we did do nice. do Beowulf translating. Um, that was, you know, that second semester was perhaps not as fun as the first, um, because it was, it was, it was a different kind of challenge, I think is, is what I'm trying to say. Um, and I, I sort of preferred, you know, working out of the textbook, um, uh, to, uh, trying to read an epic poem. Mm. Um, Wow. Mm -hmm. So I, I cracked open this book last night. And it starts with who are the Anglo-Saxons and a little history of the language. Then it goes on to pronunciation. And I was like, oh, okay, this is may, maybe this is too boring to talk about. And then I got to chapter three, basic grammar, a review. Ooh. This is not even about old English. This is literally just a review of basic grammar in <laughs> English. Okay. And this, for so, me, so like it,
1: subject predicate shit.
2: Period.
0: Parts of speech. Yeah, etc. Uh, the kind of thing that we covered in our grammar episode. This to me is a real page turner. Uh-huh. This this is where I got grabbed again by this textbook. The, uh, page twenty two, uh, the beginning of chapter three. The uh, uh, Peter Baker writes. Um, Traditional grammar defines eight parts of speech for English. Nouns, pronouns, verbs, adjectives, adverbs, prepositions, conjunctions, and interjections. Grammars often define these categories according to the meanings of the words they contain. A noun names a thing, a verb describes an action, and so forth. Pretty standard, right? We um, recognize good, yeah. this? A better way. Whoa, what? <laughs> Short li- What? <laughs> Okay, you've got my attention. Uh A better way to define a part of speech is by its morphology, the way its form can change, or by its syntax, the rules that govern its relationship to other words in the sentence. Words often slip out of the part of speech to which we assign them by their meaning. Yes. As when King Lear says, when the thunder would not peace at my bidding. The traditional grammarian shudders when anyone but Shakespeare makes a noun into a verb. As when a computer technician accesses his hard drive.
1: Oh, because access was originally a noun?
0: I guess it's supposed to be just a noun. I guess wow. it's I guess it's one of those words that we, you and I, have just totally accepted.
1: Yeah, that's good. Yeah, but it's but like anyone, friend. Like friend has become a
2: verb.
0: Right. Yeah. But anyone who is like a has really studied these things and might, you know, in some cases, be kind of a pedant about it, yeah. would say like access is one of those words that is is just is just a noun. Yeah. But if we think of the part of speech as defined by the word's grammatical characteristics rather than its meaning, we see that both Shakespeare and the computer technician are quite correct. Peace is a verb when it comes to a periphrastic verb construction, and access is a verb when it has a verb ending. Mm -hmm. So it's using both meaning and also just like literally like the. How we spelled it. How we spelled it, yeah, and and added onto it. So in your studies of German, um, did you learn about um, case and inflection?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, Because I remember that was how I actually learned about case, which seems insane. But like, that's how I was like, not just like peasant, peasant. Mm -hmm. present, past, future, but then like conditional and stuff like that.
0: Mm -hmm. And we might be thinking of two different things. I don't know what you mean by conditional, but before you said that, you named some tenses.
1: Yeah. Conditional tenses like would or could. So one of my favorite sentences that I learned in German is about wanting cake. This is a sentence I have not forgotten. If you were to say, uh, I want the cake in German, you would say, ich will den Kuchen. Mm -hmm. And if you wanted, that's what I had to look up. If you wanted to say, I would like the cake, you would say, ich möchte den Kuchen.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, you are talking about verbs. Yes. Uh, when I said case, I was talking about nouns. Oh, yes. Do you remember how many cases there are in German? I'm assuming there nouns do have cases in German.
1: Yeah, so there's, there's like the subject and the predicate. So like der, which is masculine, becomes dane in the predicate. And I don't remember how many there are after that.
0: Do you know or do you think you know or can you come up with a guess uh, how many we have in modern English or or whether or in fact, whether we have them at all?
1: Do we not have them?
0: I mean, we I, I think the answer is we do technically. Okay. but we we certainly don't have them in the way that these other languages do. Yes. This where was definitely
1: one of those things where I was like, this is like language plus for me.
0: The endings are always changing. Yeah. What, th- what this textbook says is the only change that is left in modern English when it comes to noun cases is apostrophe S mm. for possessive, which is a case in modern okay. English. yes. And the, and the book says in modern English, we have three cases subjective mm-hmm. which you called the subject possessive we know what that is an objective which yes. is what you called being the predicate earlier yeah. but a noun like desk doesn't change how we spell it yeah. whether it's the subject or the object of a verb yes but we might talk about the desk's finish mm-hmm. then we change the spelling with that apostrophe s um if i hadn't cracked this book open yesterday and you asked me to uh, tell you from memory how many cases there are in Old English, I would have said there are four. And then I was surprised to learn that there are five. Oh, okay. When I opened this up again. Um, But the fifth, I, I think I can be forgiven for forgetting the fifth because it's really not used very much. The fifth case that I wasn't remembering is called Instrumental. Uh, It says uh, in the book, it was disappearing during the centuries when Old English was being written. The four cases that I did remember, um, and this this is easy to remember because of what I know of um, modern English and also what I remember of Latin, Mm -hmm. where there are six cases. Ah, yes. I can't remember off the top of my head what they are, but I can remember the ones that are relevant to this conversation. There's nominative. Yes. which is the same as subject. subjective. Um, there's genitive, which is the same as possessive. Uh-huh. There's accusative and there's dative. And basically accusative and dative together comprise that objective case yes. that we have in modern English. The difference being, and I'm totally oversimplifying when I say this, But the difference basically being that accusative is the case used for a direct object, the object of a verb, Mm -hmm. and dative for indirect objects, as in the object in a prepositional phrase. Yes. Um, So those are the four cases that I think are most relevant in Old English and... um, that And how they sort of relate today. And it's easier to understand. Uh, I said the book says that it's only relevant today in apostrophe S. I specifically said noun cases when I said that. Mm-hmm. If we expand this to talk about pronouns. Yeah, then we, you know, I becomes my. And... Yeah, we all understand that our pronouns, uh, first person, third person, and to a lesser extent, second person, have all these weird, wacky forms. We know when to use them. If you understand when to use which form of the pronoun, mm-hmm. then then you understand case. Because that's what yes. it's based on. Off the top of my head right now, there are just two more things that I want to accomplish. Okay. And one is vo- vocabulary,
1: mm-hmm. which
0: is what I think you'll find interesting. And then the last thing is just reading a little bit. Okay. So um, I'm skipping all the way to page 134. And this is in chapter 14, which is called Poetic Style. Um, And uh, I'm going to read from the section called Vocabulary. Okay. Tell me what you think of this. A large number of words are found exclusively or almost exclusively in poetry. Some of these are dialectical. Excuse me, dialectal in origin, uh, while others are presumably, presumably archaisms. You might expect most poetic words to represent unusual concepts, but frequently they appear in place of quite common words, as these examples show. And then there's a list of examples. I won't read them all. But for example, Holm, which means sea, like the sea. Oh uh ga- gamal which means old
1: not camel apparently
0: not not gamal but gamal <laughs> something about pronunciation and by the way what the book says about pronunciation is we don't know how these things were pronounced <laughs> no one can tell us they're dead <laughs> um but we shouldn't uh, take
1: life so seriously
0: but we, we we've made uh, a lot of educated assumptions based on other languages and um, one thing that it says about pronunciation is that the emphasis is always on the first syllable. So you'll, mm-hmm. you'll hear me trying to do that when I read multiple uh, syllable words. Um, Elor uh, means elsewhere. So the point is that, like, these sound like pretty common words when we hear the translation into modern English. But these particular words for those things only appeared in poetry. Ooh. so so why so it goes on to say poetic vocabulary has an especially large number of words for human beings and most of the words within this group mean man warrior or both and then there's another list beorn man aaphora son freka warrior Uh, It goes on and on like that.
1: Those words Uh, are interesting, too, because they all sound like vaguely reminiscent of like characters from Lord of the Rings.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Tolkien stuff. Uh, And then it says Old English is a compounding language, frequently making new words by forming compounds from old ones. This is where I get really involved and, and kind of amused. And this is why I said... When you said houseboat earlier, this is why I got excited and said that what you were saying was shockingly relevant, because uh-huh. I was anticipating this. Most of the words in the list above can appear as elements of compounds, um, greatly expanding the group of words for human beings. Then there's another list. or orink battle warrior, gum-rink, man-warrior, heath-orink, war-warrior hera rink army warrior <laughs> most of these compounds are redundant or they state the obvious that a warrior goes to war or is a you... man uh... N- normally we expect a compound noun to consist of a base word with a modifier so you know it makes a new meaning but but there's redundancy house, in boat. these ones.
1: it's a boat but mm-hmm. it's also a house that's right. modifying the fact that it's a boat yeah
0: so this is, this is where it gets to the explanation of, of why this is going on. Compounds in which the first element does not modify the second are common enough in Old English poetry that we have a specialized term to describe them. Poetic compounds.
1: Oh, um, this is what the thing I wanted to talk—the uh, one thing I have to talk about—is from cool. and I didn't even know that you were going to bring it up this explicitly. I just brought it up
0: because it was old, about old English. That's that's perfect. Let me just read this next sentence, please. In these, the first element fills out the rhythm of a line and supplies alliteration. Ooh. So that's that's basically the explanation that I was getting to was um, these words that are exclusive to poetry. Are like are, are 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 so because they're designed to to fit the the po- the lines of the poems to have the right number of syllables to, to have sound, the right meter to sound good, etc. What 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 did you have to bring?
1: So there's a dude I follow on Twitter whose name's Jonathan Owen, um, who is a – I mean grammarian is a loose word. I saw him present at um. Uh, aces the copy editing conference and uh he's a good follow for me and somebody had posted something else about oscar an uh, old oscar meyer ad that doesn't matter but he said this reminds me of one of my favorite and this is why i was like oh my gosh i just brought this up because i saw old english one of my favorite old english poetic compounds banhus
0: wait when was this tweeted
1: today at oh five thirty one, eastern time
0: go go on Th- this is this is a wild coincidence go on
1: it means bone house literally which means body okay i guess because your body is the house where your bones live and i want to shout out our friend kim right now is it right there you have it starred you have it starred <laughs>
0: This is, this is, so, the, so what I just read to you was about poetic compounds, Yes, which are those compound words where there's a redundancy. The whole point of the compound is just to fill out the fill number out of syllables. Yeah. Then, it, then it goes on to describe a different kind of compound word, um, one where the first element does modify the second. This kind of compound is called a kenning And it is one of the most striking features of Old English poetic style. A good poet may coin his own kennings, but a number of them appear to be a common stock of poetic terms. Here are some kennings that appear in Beowulf and at least one other poem. And then there's a list of one, two, three, four, five. Like a dozen of them. Uh-huh. And the one I have starred, I didn't <laughs> do this today. I didn't do this yesterday. I did this like six years ago. <laughs> it was Bownhouse. The one that I starred is, and by the way, I have good news for you. I believe it is pronounced Bonhoose. Um, It says Kofa. Or actually, I didn't emphasize the first syllable. Bonkofa. Bone chamber, i.e. the body. Bon Fate, Bone Container, i.e. the body. Bon Hoose, Bone House, i.e. the body. <laughs> I to want... which I said, that rules and <laughs> that's what the apartment I'm living in is called.
1: <laughs> I, want, um, I want Kim, I mean I guess any of our friends could do it, but Kim specifically to do something that's called that.
0: Oh yeah, Bon Hoose, the Bone House. Um, that's your body. Not all uh, the list goes on and not all of them mean body. Um, mm-hmm. word hoard, which means word hoard. So some <laughs> of these are not that hard to read and translate.
1: Right. Yeah. Because of it's, course some it, of it's going to be close.
0: It's spelled differently, but, um, it's pronounced it. It's rec- totally recognizable. Pronounced the same way. Word hoard literally means word hoard, I E capacity for speech. Wow. Um, Another one, uh, Swan Rod, Swan Road, i.e. the sea. Oh, my God. Knit Helm, literally Knight Helmet, i.e. cover of night. Um, And then Dana's favorite, Hron Rod, which means Whale Road, i.e. the sea. Oh, so. The word "rod," I guess they had such a relationship with, like traveling on the sea. Yeah. That this word "rod," which is obviously the word "road", road that yeah. we know, um, frequently means the sea. Um, so this unlocked something for me that was just like suddenly I understood like, oh, um, some words are compound words and. they are germanic compounds Mm -hmm. and some words are latinate words and they are like fancy complicated words yeah you know um and that really unlocked something for me that i tried to like that i applied to like the way that i read modern english texts and that i tried to bring into my writing so finally um reading and translating this is uh more challenging than I thought it would be. I thought I would crack open this book and I would find a lot of like, oh, I wrote the translation into the book. But there's surprisingly little of that. What there is instead, I don't remember doing this, but I guess what I did is I just underlined all the words that made me go back into the glossary. Mm -hmm. And then I wrote those words, translations in the margins. But I guess I was doing the rest by sight and I can't really do that now except for, you know, when it's really, really easy. But I found one um, set of pages where there's a mini text for translation. And then on the opposite page, there was a lot of room to just write all my translation. So um, this is page 62, mini text B, which is called A Miracle of Saint Benedict, from Bishop Warefirth of Worcester's Old English translation of the Dialogues of Pope Gregory the Great, and I will attempt to read a sentence of Old English, with apologies for pronunciation that I'm sure won't be totally good. Um, but I'll I'll read it and then I'll tell you. Uh, well, well, we'll we'll take it word by word and see see what you think of it. Ayak, hit, lamp, suma, or actually, actually, I think it's summa, daig, that, fa, bro timbrodan, timbrodan, timbrodon, timbrodan, excuse me, That's minstress, who's
1: Well, that's house is sentence. the last word.
0: Yes. So you got house. So, um... Let's just take a phrase. Okay. Okay. So this, I'm, I'm giving you a hint by giving you this as a whole phrase. Um, Ayak hit yalamp lamp summer daya that. What, what did any of that sound like? Yeah. Let Let me, let me, let me try to enunciate better. Let me just take three three words. Okay. Summa dea that. Some of that? Okay, so you so you got some and you got okay. that. And the middle word I'm saying is actually I, I have been pronouncing it wrong. So there there are there are a few letters in old English that we don't have today. Okay. And one of them is the vowel ash, which is the thing that looks like an A and an E mashed up.
1: Uh huh, like that, the name of uh, Elon Musk's child.
0: Yes, and that <laughs> and that's called Ash, and it's pronounced like the "ah" in "ash." Yes. So I should be saying Da "dae." I have no idea. And, and and it's the word "day." Oh, just day. So, aak hit ya lamp summer dae that. Someday that. Um, what this means is, unless you have a guess. No. I'll just say one word. One of the words I said was hit.
1: Yes. Does it mean hit? No. Okay.
0: It means it.
2: It? Okay. Yes.
0: Yeah. What I'm saying is, and so it happened one day that... Oh. Aak Ayak hit yalamp some dae that... So it happened one day that and and so you you know what happens now now the rest is like it could be a sentence on its own yes um, because that 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 is is a is like a is a relative pronoun it's introducing yeah. this relative clause the thing that happened this day some day one day uh, is that fa ye bro through does that sound like anything fa fa tha tha bro brothru and i'll just i'll just yes the exactly and i'll just give you a hint when you hear me start a word with ya, you can you can basically ignore that that's okay. like that's like a prefix that that we don't have in modern english okay tha bro brothru the brother yeah uh, yes close it's it's brothers it's plural okay the brothers timberdon timbered on like like this is this is one word okay and it's timbered on traveled uh no what is it um so let's just let's get the object so that's the verb and then the object is the phrase that is the object is that's minstress whose so you know minstrel house pretty close but yeah, yeah. that church um, yeah 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 it's it's the house of the monastery yes it's the monastery house so what might the brothers have done one Tra- day
1: which isn't travel prayed
0: um so notice that there's no preposition it's oh. uh, the, the the house is a direct object not a not an indirect built? object yes exactly timberdon is built like timber. Exactly. So And so it happened one day that the brothers built the house of the monastery, is what I have in my translation. Yeah. Um, and uh, let me just... You know, just it's fu- so
1: funny because we, you know, especially in my job, we talk a lot about both concision and precision, which yeah. is, I don't want to say the opposite of poetry by any standards, because in poetry, you know, it's very dense. But I think that there's something to be said for the fact that... Um, you know, you can sort of take your time with language and creative writing in a way that you can't in other writing yeah. and it sentences like that like and so well, say the the phrase again the the introductory part
0: and so it happened one day that
1: and so it happened one day that is useless and it's not right it's not Right. but like by the same token like it's just not you could just say one day right and clearly it's in the middle of something else it's try it's a transition but like sort of one day is the trans. you know what I mean? It's just, it's very oh, yeah. interesting because as somebody now who's translating this, it's like quote unquote translating, you know, guessing yeah. as you give me hints. Right. Um, it's interesting to think like, you know, am I wasting my time?
0: <laughs> oh yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely onto something there. And that reminds me that I should not end this conversation without just mentioning the existence of the old English word, what? So you know how um, some words we have they be they begin with wh?
1: Yeah, what, who, yeah. whistle,
0: and some people they might say what, what, yeah, or which, or someone I know might even somehow manage to say who. <laughs> uh-huh. um, uh, so in uh, in old English, those words are are more or less the same, but they do start with the H. Oh. So so when I say what, that's H-W-A-S-H-T. Uh-huh. And it's just what it sounds like, which is what. But not always. There are some places where you see the word what, where the word what doesn't make any sense there, and And in particular, where you might see it is at the beginning of a poem or a piece of literature. Uh And in in particular, for example, the very first word of Beowulf is what. Uh Uh-huh. And that was just like a common trope. Like, that's just how these things started. They started with a what. And there is no consensus on what that means
1: that's amazing
0: like we just don't know what that's doing there so we sort of understand it as just a like one way one way it's been translated is behold like Uh it's it's that kind of like i'm starting something so it's just it's just how might you start something you might say behold or listen or um in the case of um i'm Remembering this off the top of my head, so I'm sorry if I'm remembering it wrong, but I think the famous writer who translated Beowulf is Seamus Haney. Yes, I it think is. Seamus Haney did it a translation of Beowulf, and he translated "hwat" as "so." His translation of Beowulf okay. begins "so," yes, etc., which is a really interesting way to start a story Something. or yes. a poem because it's a transition essentially yeah exactly i found eventually we got into translating poetry and i found what i didn't like about translating poetry was that i felt obligated to keep the words on the line that they were in in the original Mm -hmm. but um there's a lot of like you know the word order is not what it would be if we were writing it yeah and so it's hard to read my translation in any way where it'll make any sense. What's being said. Yeah. But, um, I'm, but I'm, I'm keeping the words on, you know, tidy. Yeah. Like normally if there was in a piece of prose, if the word order seemed all jumbled around to my modern eyes, then I would just modernize it and, and streamline it and make it make sense. But because it's poetry, and there are line breaks rather yeah. than just sentences. It, it, feel, it Have you ever done any translation of poetry?
1: No. Uh, Jen Atkinson always wanted to offer a class, but there was never enough interest. Mm. Um, but I do, I have read a lot about translation. I have talked to her about a lot. Of it. And yeah, there's, there's a couple, there's many different ways to approach it, some of which people like better than others. Um, and one of the reasons why I, um, poems like sonnets for example that are translated so that they actually rhyme in in the new language that it's in Mm -hmm. um are sort of detested at this point is because they end up sounding really fucking goofy yeah um and uh that's also one of the reasons why ann carson who's a scholar of greek do you you know ann carson yes yeah um she's translated like she's sort of this seminal translator of sappho because she basically came up with a system that allows um because sappho so much of sappho is in fragments mm-hmm. and so she came up with a system that utilized white space to represent that those things were fragments mm. um whereas many other translators in the past have tried to fill in those gaps basically oh. uh-huh. um and so she if you read her translations of sappho which are are just gorgeous Mm-hmm. she is i forget exactly what sort of symbol she uses but she represents it in a way that you really get a sense of what's missing as yeah. much as what's there
0: mm. uh talking about translating sonnets and uh, poems that rhyme reminded me of uh, bringing it back to tolkien uh the scene in the lord of the rings movie uh where uh the uh gandalf uh takes the the ring out of the fire and yeah and places it in Frodo's hand and it, it's quite cool and the words have appeared because it was in the uh-huh. fire and then Gandalf r- reads the words or doesn't read them but says what they say yeah and it's like it's a rhyming couplet it's the it ends with and in the darkness bind them yeah and the, and I've watched that movie so many times that it finally occurred to me like he It's not written in English. Like, he translated that, and in the translation, it rhymes. Yes. (laughs) Like, how convenient. (laughs) (laughs) It's
1: almost like Tolkien made up the language himself. Yeah. I do have one tiny thing I want to talk about really quick, which I realize. Blake always points this out, so a shout-out to my brother, which is the thorn.
0: Yes, that's another letter that we haven't discussed.
1: Yes, and so, um, you know how we'll say... There, there's something that's been conflated, which is that we, you and I have talked about this off mic, I think, before, which is that there used to be um, two different U's. There was you and there was ye. So the English did used to have a singular you and a plural you, like yep. many languages do. Now we just have you and it counts for both and you have to figure it out. Yep. Um, but that said, there are also there's this convention that if something's old timey, You say ye, so you'll say Mm -hmm. ye old shop. Yeah. Um, That ye is not, though, the you that is the uh, uh, singular Mm you. It is the thorn being translated to a Y because printers didn't have the thorn. And it is really just the thorn is the T-H sound. And so it's just saying the shop.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's
1: what I have to say about that. Because it's related in both ways. It's related both in the sense that, like, ye was a word that mm-hmm. meant something. Yes. And that that's not what we use it for. Really, it's just a sort of misspelling of the.
0: Right. Well, that's all the um, thoughts about Old English that I care to share tonight. Thanks for listening.
1: It. You're welcome. I feel very smug about this now.
0: Oh, good. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Can't wait to dive into this further. I've got the bug back now.
1: <laughs> and what else are you going to do?
0: Yeah, right. Besides Except for Animal panic. Crossing and Magic: The Gathering.
1: <laughs> good night, Will, and I'll see you next week. Who knows what we'll be talking about? I'll figure it out by then.
0: Sounds good. Love you. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Bye.
1: Will is on Twitter and Letterboxed at Youngest of One, and his website is WilliamHoffacker.com.
0: You can find Liz at Exclamate on Instagram, at Exclamate underscore on Twitter. Or on her website, ElizabethDeAnnaMorrisLakes.com Our website is SmugBuds.com And the podcast is at SmugBuds on Twitter and Instagram.